0: Good morning, everyone. So, wow, it's a—it uh, was slammed at at the nine, and last week there was standing room only at the eleven. I think it kind of shifted over to the uh, uh, the the nine, and uh, so, very cool, plenty of seating um, uh, today. So, very very good. So, hey, uh, we are starting a new series called Dangerous Prayers, and. Uh, uh, the reality is, just I think um, at least I can speak for myself, but I probably uh, you probably all have a collective experience. Sometimes our prayer life is pretty soft. Sometimes it's pretty mushy, and 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 a lot of times that's because we don't feel God, or 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 maybe uh, we're mad at God, or or we just haven't seen our prayer life really do anything, and and. Sometimes we fall completely out of praying. Sometimes it just comes like, a, a, you know, just a courtesy type prayer, like, yeah, thanks God for this, you know, amen. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, our prayer life is really, really good. This series is not so much how to pray, but really coming up with four very simple three word prayers that are super dangerous. That actually, if you were courageous enough, if you were brave enough to pray them, that uh, I do, and, and the staff believes that it, these are actually life-changing prayers. And this week, we're going to be talking about God hear me, and then there's going to be God change me, God use me, and then perhaps the most dangerous prayer of all, God be all. And you know, as I think about prayer, and I think a lot of times, you know, it's prayer can be a really kind of abstract kind of concept for people, but really, you know, at, a, at its base, it's a conversation between you or you and your friends and, and God and, and petitioning Him and thanking Him and things like that. But in a sense, sometimes the condition of our life, gets in the way of us hearing God or or even really being able to have some sort of systematic kind of uh, prayer to Him. And this uh, really, uh, God, I believe, gave me a, a real-life uh, kind of occurrence in my life that, that is, uh turned into being a metaphor for prayer for me. And it happened many, many years ago. My brother and I had bought uh, a 28-foot, Uh, sport fisher. It had two engines. My brother and I loved to go fishing, and we especially loved to go fishing. uh, We lived in Redondo Beach. We had a, in the split, the split, the slip, and we'd go out to this island called Santa Barbara Island, and it was just great fishing out there. You could get tuna and bass and all these kind of different things. Well, one day, uh, I don't know where my brother was, but me and a couple of friends, uh, I invited him to go fishing with me, and we were going to go out to Santa Barbara Island, do some sea bass fishing and things like that. It was a beautiful day. We just kind of take off, and we get to the island, just have a wonderful day, just fishing, just catching fish, and I uh, had a little barbecue on the uh, on the boat, so, you know, you catch the fish and fillet it and put it on the barbecue. It was just one of those just... Picturesque days that just you know why people love to go fishing, and uh, the day you know just kind of started wrapping up. And uh, to be honest with you, I, I made a mistake. I didn't check the weather before we crossed the, the Santa Barbara Channel uh, coming back, but the, the weather looked great and everything. So we started heading back, and. It, as we were going, you know, it was a little bit rough, but, but it was okay, and we were going along, and, and then suddenly, um, one of our engines died. And honestly, that's why you have two engines. It's not, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was gonna be a lot uh, slower going, but, but it really wasn't a big deal. So we, you know, just you know, powered up the, the, the remaining engine and just kept on trucking along. And as we were moving along, the weather started getting worse. And it started getting really rough. And we started getting picked up and down. And and the wind started coming in and blowing the boat around. And it was hard to control because we just had one engine. And the sun was starting to go down. And it was starting to get dark and things like that. And then suddenly, we hear this big BAM! Now... I don't know if you're an expert boat captain, but if one of your engines is already down and the next engine goes bam, it's not a good sign. So so uh, I turn you know, I turn all the power off and everything, and, and I go back and I, I open up the engine compartment and uh, I saw that one of the exhaust manifolds uh, had blown. Now, the problem with that is the exhaust manifold in the boat goes straight out the, out the uh, stern. So with the rough weather, water is just pouring now into uh, our engine room. And uh, so I jumped, I jumped uh, down into the engine compartment. I'm trying to hold the Pacific Ocean back. It wasn't going very well and and then and then uh one of my friends on the boat like is yelling at me and uh I I turn around and he's taking his pants off and he and he gets his pants off and he throws it at me. I, I don't know about you, but under normal circumstances, if my buddy takes his pants off in the middle of the ocean and throws them at me, I'm like, eh, what's going on here? And everything, I'm like, what? Like I didn't know like why did you like we're drowned we're going to go down here and you're taking your pants off and he's like shove it in the hole i'm like oh that's a good idea so we take these you know i take the the levis you know and i i shove it into the you know the blown exhaust manifold and it really slows down the the water coming in and it's like okay you know we're we're you know, okay, at, at this point, and it's like, okay, no big deal that I have vessel assist, which is basically the AAA of uh, of uh, the water. And so I call up vessel assist, and I'm like, not call on the phone, but on my radio. This is before cell phones, um, early before I could afford a cell phone. They probably had like the Zach, you know, big ones and everything like that. But uh, so so. I get a hold of Vessel Assist. I'm like, "Hey, we got a problem. We're dead in the water. It's getting kind of rough out there." They're like, "Oh yeah, there's a huge storm coming your way and we will not send any of our people out." <laughs> I'm like, "So we're just going to die, you know?" And and they're and they're like, "We it's way too rough. We have to send we'll call the the Coast Guard and they'll send out a cutter to come get you." And I'm like, "All right. How bad is this storm <laughs> and and what's going to Well, the storm kept on getting worse and worse and worse and it actually started uh, taking this pretty big boat and just like really just tossing us, you know, around. And after this one big pickup, it it literally turned the boat around, slammed down, and we lost all power. And uh, and I started getting really concerned. I hadn't heard from from the Coast Guard, and uh, I climbed down back into the into the the engine compartment and our bilge pumps that had been working uh, because we had power and were able to keep up with the water that was coming in were no longer working. So we were taking water and uh, things looked really, really bad. So no power, winds really bad. So I have a backup uh, handheld uh, radio and I get on the radio and and I say three words that... uh, a boat captain never wants to say. Mayday, mayday, mayday. We're going down. We need help. And fortunately, uh, I got some static and could kind of tell that it was the Coast Guard. And they said, yeah, yeah, we're coming. And I'm like, you guys got to hurry because it is a bad situation. And for the next several hours, we, we tried to, you know, keep afloat and keep the, keep the water out and try to keep in contact with the Coast Guard, but we had totally lost uh, contact with them, that just the, the nature of the storm and everything, we were out of radio contact and just having a handheld and things like that, and every so often, we would see a light on the horizon, and uh, we were excited, like, all right, they're coming in, they're coming in, and I'd jump on the radio and try to get a hold of them, but there was nothing. And then the light would go away, and then I'd jump back on the radio, and we'd see the light again. this went on pretty much throughout the night until finally they, they came, and they hooked us up, and, and, and they rescued us. They pulled us back to, uh, to shore. And the real big aha moment, like the spiritual moment for me, was when I was talking to the captain of the Coast Guard cutter that came and saved us. I said, "Why, why, why didn't you respond? You know that you guys were, you know, obviously in the area and you're coming, but you just wouldn't. You know, you never, you never responded to us. After a while, you know, we were calling out to you, trying to get some insurances and things like that." He said, "We were. Every time that you, uh, you know, we were trying to keep in contact with you, and you were calling, but they just the condition of your vessel and the condition of." of just the weather that you couldn't hear us and and I said but you could hear me and he's like yeah and he and he said you know the reality is if you would have given up and stopped uh calling us we would have never found you because every time you hit that uh the calling device that that it would give us a position where you were and we were able to find you and we were able to eventually come to your rescue even though you you didn't you couldn't be in contact you couldn't hear us and you know it was a traumatic experience but i think a lot of times we uh in our in our prayer life that we don't hear god and and we think he's not coming or he doesn't care or he doesn't hear us and the reality is that that god is there and he does care and and He is looking out for us. But oftentimes, because of the condition of our vessel, our lives, or the condition of external circumstances, the storms and things like that, that we don't have the ability to hear Him. And I think this is important, especially as we talk about uh, the dangerous prayer today of God, hear me. Because so many times... You know the condition of our vessel, the condition of our life. We don't know if God can hear us or not, and and a lot of times that that's why we stop calling. That's a lot of times why we start, we stop uh, lifting our voices and petitioning God to come help us. And this is essentially the condition that Jeremiah was, and this is one of the most uncomfortable prayers I think in all of Scripture that we're going to read today. But I think, I'm so glad God preserved it for us, because I think so many times, well, one, we can learn so much from it, but also so many times we feel like Jeremiah, and uh, we want to feel like we can pray, pray prayers like this, uh, but we don't think that God can handle it. But let me tell you, God can handle it. And, and God wants us to be honest. So if you turn to your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 7, Jeremiah starts out and says, O Lord, you misled me, and I allowed myself to be misled. You are stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. Now I am mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out. Violence and destruction, I shout. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. But if I ever but if I but if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak his name, his word burns in my heart like fire. It is like a fire, it is like fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. I have heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. They threaten, if you say anything, we will report it. Even my old friends are watching me, waiting for a fatal slip. He will will trap himself, they say, and then we will get our revenge on them. I love the beginning of this prayer. I mean, think about this. God, creator and sustainer of the universe, creator of you and me, And going right up into the throne room, right up to God, and say, "God, you misled me. God, and you know what? Not only that, I'm mad at you, but I'm mad at myself because I let you mislead me." But the reality is, he goes on and says, "But you're stronger than me, and then you overpowered me." You know what? Basically, Jeremiah is going, God, you called me onto this path. You called me to be your messenger. And I thought we had a deal. I thought that I was going to be your messenger and I was going to, you know, you were going to protect me and you were going to make things all really, you know, really nice and and fluffy and, and easy going for me. But you know what instead has happened? I have become a household joke. I'm doing your calling and people are making fun of me. And not only are they making fun of me, but they are waiting for me to mess up so they can attack me. And he is very upset about this. He is giving God both barrels and just saying, really, God? Like, look, it's not like there's a big long line of people here wanting to serve you. And this may be a reason, FYI. And I love this prayer because, number one, I believe and know that God can handle our honesty. But also, it is a great starting point. Because I know that God wants to deal with, uh, with us about who we really are and how we're really feeling in order to be a starting point instead of us trying to be plastic, shiny Christian people who are like, God is good. God is good. God is good. But you know what? The world can be really, really hard. And you know what? Sometimes God doesn't act the way that we want God to act. Sometimes God doesn't do what we want him to do. And You know, this is true in every single relationship, right? That that we get angry when people fail to meet our expectations. And sometimes that's their fault, but sometimes that's our fault. Sometimes wires get crossed. And you know what? You can sit there and be quiet and nice and let it fester, or you can have a grown-up conversation with somebody and resolve it. And I believe that God wants to resolve it. I this really resonates with me, the first part of this prayer, because uh, I've been there a few times in my life where, where I've just let God have it. I remember you know, the first year or two of, uh, uh, here in Tallahassee when I moved here with, with my family was really one or two of the, the most lonely, miserable, kind of relationally miserable uh, times of my life. I didn't really have it. I left all my friends and family there's nice people here but but I really hadn't got any deep friends yet. Worse yet, uh we were trying to do something extremely different. Twelve years ago, you know, E3 was very different in in the South. And and people who I thought would be, you know, my friends, uh and people at least would support the effort were were quite ugly and said nasty things and, and questioned motivation and and things like that, and I remember having one of these kind of prayers. I'm like, really, God? You called me from Los Angeles to Tallahassee, and I have no friends that not only do I have my peers think, you know, you know, are, don't trust what we're trying to accomplish and what we're trying to do, and you know what? I feel like everybody's waiting for me to, you know, to mess up so they can, you know, kick me out, and it was just one of these things, you know, and it was one of those moments where God's like, "Look. Are you do you trust me or, or do you, are you going to put your your faith in the circumstance that you find yourself right now?" And I think that that's, you know, but you have to start in a place of honesty and understand that God can take our honesty. It's not like he doesn't know anyway. And then he moves, he does this momentous just kind of shift in his prayer in verse 11. And it seems rather bizarre, but I don't think it's as bizarre as it maybe looks. So in verse 11, he says, But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. He's still praying to God, and he's just like, God, you misled me. You overpowered me. I'm a fool. And now he's like, But you stand beside me like a great warrior. Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. The Lord of the heavens armies. You test those who are righteous. And you examine the deepest thoughts and secrets. Let me see your vengeance against them. For I have committed my cause to you. Sing to the Lord. Praise to the Lord. For though I was poor and needy. He rescued me from my oppressors. And I believe that he he's shifting here and and in the progression of the conversation is his you know basically he's coming to God and saying God I got to come clean with you I am really upset with you I think you have given me a raw deal that I do not like my circumstances one bit and and I think you I think that you're messing up cuz I'm you know I'm here to serve you, but then he shifts, then he pivots and says, "You know what? But the reality is God, I needed to tell you that, but but also, I trust you. I'm confused right now, I'm hurting, I'm scared, but ultimately, I because I was able to unload that on you and you're big enough to handle that, you also can can uh, use that. And and move me, and now I feel like, you know what? I'm upset, but I also ultimately trust you. I trust that all things will work together for your glory. That I trust that you are sovereign. I trust that you are in control. But I don't think you get there unless you do the first part, honestly. Like, you may go, you know, things can be, you know, you could be sinking into the bottom of the Pacific Ocean and say... God, you have a plan. Yeah, the plan isn't going to drown and die. It's a crummy plan, God, you know. And and I think that God wants to hear that. And I think that ultimately, if you can say, God, I think the plan is crummy, I I don't believe it and I'm upset, that you can next go with integrity and honesty and say, God, but really, you know what, this is how I feel about it, but ultimately, I trust you. I don't get it, but I trust you. I don't like it, but I trust you. And I think that that is essential. And then he gets real human on the last part of his prayer. And I actually, uh, I think that this is probably the most important prayer ever recorded, this, this section. In verse 14, he says, Yet. Yet I curse the day I was born. May no one celebrate the day of my birth. I curse the messenger who told my father, good news, you have a son. Let him be destroyed like the cities of the old that the Lord overthrew without mercy. Terrify him all day long with battle shouts because he did not kill me at birth. He's upset. I mean, this is crazy. Like the poor guy who said, Good news you have a son. He wants some Old Testament wrath of God coming down on his head. Dude was just doing his job. Wants some torment. And then he goes on, he says, Oh, that I had died in my mother's womb. That her body had been my grave. Why was I ever born? My entire life has been filled with trouble, sorrow, and shame. I mean, hard stuff, right? This is what I, I call a Chewbacca prayer. This is like, you don't know what to say, and you're just like, Arr! right? And God's sitting up there going, I got it. I got it. I understand that I speak chewy, You know, that Paul in in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, uh, says, and the Holy Spirit helps in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And you know what? I find this so freeing. That, that I can do a Chewbacca prayer, and, and I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to express it, but I can just let out a groan. And God, through the Holy Spirit, will interpret that into the perfect words, into the perfect prayer. And I think so many times we get wrapped up, and I've, I've heard it, you know, somebody will pray, and people go, that was a good prayer. That was an eloquent prayer, or you know that that was you know that was really thought well thought out prayer, and there's a place for that, and that's good, and 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 I'm sure God appreciates that. But I think that God really listens to Chewbacca prayers. You know, you got Jeremiah. I this is ridiculous. Jeremiah's last part of the prayer. I mean, like, I wish my mother's womb was my grave. I wish you would, would smite the, the guy who just happened to say congratulations, you have a, have a son and everything. I mean, this is just him just like, blah. Like, he's like, God, my serotonin is through the basement and I don't know what to say or what to do. I'm just like blowing it out here because you know what, I can't even be reasonable. And God's sitting there and saying, you know what, I hear you. And not only do I hear your groanings, but I understand them. And in fact, I, I understand them better than you probably do. And I can interpret that because, you know what, I am here for you. And you know what, I will I will hear and interpret, and I am here for you. And I think as we start in this series, as we we start in in this four weeks, as we look at these different prayers, I believe this is the perfect starting point. That we have permission, and not only permission, but God desires for us to communicate to him in this way. That God is large enough for you to walk right into the throne room, poke him in the chest, and say, you know what? I'm really pissed off at you. I thought we had a deal. I thought, you know what? If I followed you, I thought if I tithed, I thought if I served, I thought if I followed Jesus that my life was going to be all sex and caviar. And God says, I can take that. You know what? It's not going to be. But you know what? I'm glad that we're at this starting point. I'm glad that you love me and trust me enough that you could be honest with me. And I'm sorry that you were told something that wasn't true, and now we have a starting point to go forward. And then hopefully, after we get to that starting point to go forward, that, you know what? That, hey, you know what, we can get to it and say, you know what, God, thank you for letting me get that off my chest. Thank you for me being able to say things that, that maybe most, you know, most of the time I don't think I should say to God, creator of the universe. But thank you for being big enough to hold, handle that. And also, I just want to let you know, God, before my serotonin dips again, that I trust you. And then also, I mean, I love the ending of this prayer because it doesn't resolve, right? It doesn't resolve in the way that you think, okay, you know, Jeremiah's doing good now. Now, Jeremiah is, you know, God's going to come and they're going to go skipping hand in hand and everything's going to be okay. No, he turns back around after that and is like, you know, doing the chewy prayer. And... What I hope is we as we start this series that we can pray this very dangerous prayer together. That, that we can go to the throne and be like, God, I just need you to hear me. I'm really upset about this. I don't understand why you allowed this in my life. I don't get why this is, this is going on. And I am just flaming mad. And ultimately get to the point where we can trust the Holy Spirit to interpret those groanings. And I believe that once you have that conversation with God, once that you pray, God, hear me, and God will hear you, that that will set the foundation for us to go forward and pray the next three very dangerous prayers. God, change me. God, use me. And then ultimately, God be all. Will you pray with me?